Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 205 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is deep into the night here on a Sunday. I know one of us just watched the Oscars, and it wasn't me. Scott Coleman is here, everybody. <laughs> welcome. Well, hey, hey, Scott, how's it feel to be married? You're back. I know. I'm a married man. It's been about a month since I've been on uh, a pod with you, so um, life has been busy. Married, married life. It's uh, you know, it's basically been the same as before. But I guess when you're honeymooning, it's all uh, you know, it's all it's all good. So yeah, um, good to be on. Has it been? Um, you know, it it feels like it's it's been a a busy winter. I guess things now really kind of ramp up as as spring training is right around the corner and. Um, good to get on and kind of touch base and and then we really start to uh, you know as you know it's like 24 7 after that uh, for the next eight or nine months yeah that's you know we haven't had a pod and most of that's on me there was a Super Bowl last week so I wasn't gonna try to have anybody record with me on Sunday night that would have been a little bit brutal and nothing's really happened I mean Eric and I did the last two podcasts together one of which you were on your honeymoon for the other one you were about to leave I think maybe you were already yeah. gone when Ozuna hit I think you Ozuna were broke there. as I was sitting in the Miami airport of all things. <laughs> I knew you were in transit somewhere or something because yeah. you, you had time to at least react to it because people were uh people were yelling at you that to get off Twitter which I, which I found hilarious like yeah. Scott why are you on Twitter and he's and you're like I don't I, I was not? stuck at the Miami airport for like four hours yeah so it was it was it was a pretty welcome uh breakup actually so yeah it was it was good so yeah we have been a little bit neglectful on the podcast but part of that's just the lack of stuff to talk about and today uh, spoiler alert, there's not a whole lot to talk about in Braves land we have some topics that we're going to hit on but uh we're getting close that's kind of the theme honestly on this podcast is that spring training is coming fast and furious in fact this week and this, this actually caught up on even caught up to me a little bit without kind of fully realizing it until maybe even yesterday or so Pitchers and catchers report this week, uh, Wednesday. There will be pitchers and catchers reporting for the Braves uh, at yeah. different different teams at different at different timelines. But you know, th- less than three days from now, I guess we're technically kicking off spring training. And um, I have to say, every year there's this lead up to spring training, and people get really excited. And I'm, I am one of those people. But as soon as you kind of get there and realize that nothing happens for the next couple weeks, it kind of gets a little bit less fun. But hey, it's coming. Yeah, and it's still can- it's still baseball. I mean, you know, once uh, I would imagine for me and you and most of our listeners, once the Super Bowl ends, you kind of have this lull of, of nothing but college basketball and NBA and, and even NBA and NHL fans. You're, you know, you're just kind of waiting for the playoffs mode at this point. So, um, yeah, it'll be good to have the guys there. Like you said, I mean, the first couple of days, it's it's pitchers and catchers only and it's uh, pitchers fielding practice and getting bunts down and stuff like that. But 
Uh, I think we're less than two weeks. This is Sunday night. I think the first uh, spring training game is uh, officially less than two weeks away. Granted, it's going to be like the <laughs> the career minor leaguers playing seven of those nine innings that first game. But um, alas, it is it is baseball, real life baseball, and it'll be good to to get the guys back out there. Yeah, we're we're gonna dive in. Obviously, I have two things to bring up with you before we get to Braves talk, and we're gonna do it at the top because I don't I don't really care tonight. It's very late for me. It's almost midnight. We might we might go off the rails. Um, number one, I saw you slandering the NBA the other day, which I didn't appreciate. <laughs> uh, people were people were adding me about this take that you have about the NBA being so much worse than college basketball. I'm leaving that alone for now. I know we thought about this before, so I just wanted to say that I did see that people told me. Uh, we won't, we won't do it now, but I know you're a deep, diehard Hawks fan deep down inside. So I, I just um, fell asleep a little bit thinking oh, about the Oh, come on. Uh, anyway. No, I mean, I, I get it. I, I've never been a big NBA guy, but I know it's obviously growing, and, and there's a, a very <laughs> passionate fan base. People it's really like when you, when, you, when you tweeted stuff about me about the Hawks. Like, yeah, our Hawks are doing great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I, I get it. Um, I, I've just never been able to get into it. I know there are people who, as as I've learned from my replies, some people were like, you're you're crazy. You like baseball, but find basketball boring. What's the matter with you? Um, but um, I am a big college basketball fan, or at least uh, most days I am. When my, you, but, are, uh, you are when Arizona is pretty good anyway. That's um, right. There you go. Um, uh, <laughs> the second thing is, this is the, I guess, more more time more time stamped. Uh, as soon as I, I, I tweeted as we were starting the podcast that we, that we were about to record and two people immediately replied with, I'm expecting uh, Oscar takes. So because one of us watched this, I, I need Ooh. one thought of yours on the Oscars tonight. Cause I, I was covering a Hawks game. So I saw none of the Oscars. So what, what did you, what do you have for me? Um, Parasite uh, was very good. I thought there were really two movies that were clearly better than all the others. Parasite and 1917. I thought both were deserving. And I think, between the two, they won seven total awards, and Parasite won Best Picture. So yeah, go see those those two in particular. I thought it was a pretty good year, all things considered, for them. Um, but yeah, those are that's my Oscar hot take for the pod. We have it, we have it, we we've done it. We we've covered five minutes of podcast without talking about the Braves whatsoever. Okay, let's pivot. Let's talk about some baseball. Uh, some things to catch up on real quickly here, like kind of newsy but not hugely newsworthy in the last two weeks or so. Um, it was reported that the Braves' best offer to Donaldson was four years and $84 million, which I wrote down um, as just like a interesting thing to say, because you and I have not talked since the, since, since the Ozuna signing. I kind of know how you feel because I follow you on Twitter and we've, t- we've chatted a few times, but um, we'll get to that in, in a second as well, because uh, John Heyman reported that Marcelo Ozuna turned down three for 50 from the Reds, which is not a huge surprise. Because guys on that level sometimes want to prove themselves, and obviously Donaldson that went quite well for him last year, taking a one-year deal. Um, but those two numbers that I just threw at you, what is your reaction to the Braves kind of drawing the line where they drew it? I would say reportedly on Donaldson, and then same thing with Ozuna. Like, what do you make of him taking, you know, quote unquote, taking less in the form of a one-year guarantee and turning down fifty million dollars from the Reds? You know, admittedly, I I wasn't as the Donaldson stuff was going down and we learned that he obviously wasn't going to re-up with the Braves. And I think some of my frustration was just my complete lack of interest in giving 
Marcelo Zuna or Castellanos a four-year deal. And that's basically what everyone had. Maybe a three-year deal if, if those guys' market didn't develop. You know, I never really thought with Ozuna that a one-year deal would be possible. Um, it wasn't like he was hurt last year. You know, it wasn't a Donaldson situation where it was a guy who was going to get paid the winter before but um, just didn't live up to expectations for whatever reason. So, um, you know, I guess to give my official take on the Azuna deal is I, I think there's a little bit of risk just because if if he is the player that he was with the Cardinals the last two years, um, really, if you look at Ozuna's numbers the last five seasons in total, you have two years that were pretty good. You have one monster season. And then you have two years, the, the last two years with the Cardinals that were pretty OK. I mean, for corner outfield, he was pretty average um, while they're they're not necessarily the same hitter. If you look at the overall numbers, Ozuna and uh, Nick Markakis have pretty similar overall numbers. So I'm not saying that they're the same hitter by any means, and, and I'm sure it's been documented here in many other places that Ozuna's batted ball profile shows that he should have much better numbers than he has. Um, he did have shoulder surgery, of course, uh, two years ago, so hopefully he's removed from that and he's fully ready to go. Um, and again, I think there's some upside there, but I guess what my reaction to the three years and $50 million offer from the Reds is, is he, that's probably what he was worth and what I expected he was going to get. And certainly getting him for the one year and 18 million from the Braves is welcome. If he has a blow up year like Donaldson just had, um, he's going to cash in maybe with the Braves, maybe with somebody else. And of course, if it just doesn't work out or if he's the same guy that he was the last two years with the Cardinals and not that guy who had the big blow up year in Miami, in 2016 or 2017, whatever year it was, um, they're off the hook in a year and, and they can readjust and figure out what they want to do moving forward. Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, we talked about it a lot in the last podcast. I know it's been a little bit of time now, but, you know, in general, I, I think that if you look at the numbers and like the, you know, whether you buy into the dollar value projections from past years, but even if Ozone is just the same guy he's always been, the deal is fine. It's not fantastic if he's the same guy he's always been. Um, aside from the one, the one great year which you referenced, if he's that, if he's the guy that he was at his yeah. absolute peak, then it's obviously a home run. But even if he's just the guy he was last year, it's the deal is fine. It's not gonna blow your socks off, but it's an appropriate value for a player that's sort of a stopgap. It's a one-year deal. Yeah. It's totally fine, and there is obviously upside beyond that. We, we've seen him be a star at least for one season in the past. I'm not expecting that, but I said on the last podcast, like I, I think that you know, if you just keep your expectations in line, I think. Some of it's almost like people were spoiled last year by Donaldson because Donaldson, A, was a better player before he arrived than Azuna. Donaldson was a legitimate star that just had the one down year before he got here. But even then, you know, Donaldson was awesome last year. I think that was a yeah. 90%, like a 90th percentile outcome. Truly. Yeah, I was just thinking the exact same thing. It was about as good of a scenario as you could have realistically hoped for. I mean, it wasn't 99th or anything like that, but like yeah. he was he was durable. He was good really the entire season. There were a few like mini slumps, but on the whole, like you couldn't have possibly asked for anything better than that. I do think that with Ozuna, A, he doesn't have the same profile as Donaldson from beforehand, and B, that was just so good of an outcome that people people might be expecting, you know, 35 homers and, you know, et cetera. That, that, is, that is definitely a possible outcome, but uh, Ozuna, if he just hits 27 home runs and stays healthy and just kind of functions as a solid everyday player, that's that's what that's that's really what what the Braves are wanting and paying for. Honestly, it's they're not paying for a forty homer guy. Is that possible? Sure, it is. But 
I don't know, just be realistic would be my message. To, with general yeah, there's some upside there. I mean, yes. clearly, if, if he was the guy who, and again, this isn't groundbreaking news here, but if he was the guy in 2017 when he was a five-war player with the Marlins, a 143 WRC+, plus, I mean, if that guy hit the open market, he'd be looking at a five- or six-year deal at $120 million or so. Yep. Um, the, the, the discount is kind of built in with his last years in St. Louis, which weren't bad by any means. He was He was pretty solid for a corner outfielder, but... Again, it, it was not – he hasn't quite been the guy that people thought he was going to explode after that that one awesome year, 37 homers, 143 WRC plus in 2017. Again, I, I think it's possible if you look at the projections, 114 WRC plus from Steamer. I think Zips had 116. Um, you know, I think that's good That's good enough. It's not going to be what Donaldson was, as you mentioned. But again, uh, I think anybody – just assuming that Ozuna is going to perfectly fill the Donaldson void uh, without fail is uh, there's certainly some risk that he doesn't do that. Yeah, particularly I, I would just caution against thinking he's going to be Donaldson from 2019. That's just not what the whole calculus is here. I, I know they're in the same role offensively and that they're going to hit cleanup most likely. Um, but other than that, like I wouldn't make the comparison. I know it's mm. it's it's the natural one, and everyone's going to do it. I'm sure we're going to do it. I'm sure we already have done it. I just think people have to realize what the two players are, and Donaldson's baseline is just higher. That's just what it is. Um, okay, Ozuna talk over for now. We'll come back to it. I'm sure. Um, two more things real quickly before we get to some other stuff later on in the podcast. Two newsier items. One of which. Is a minor league deal that I don't care too much about, but it's a name people recognize. Yonder Alonso is a minor league guy. The Hawks, sorry, the Hawks, the Braves signed. I'm asleep. Um, the Braves signed. <laughs> Watching uh, too much NBA. I've been in Hawks mode all day. I covered a double overtime game. I did a podcast before this. It's just, you know, that's what happens. Um, but Yonder Alonso is a free agent that people know and has some power, but he'll be 33 in April. He was truly dreadful last year uh, in 2019, which is why he was available for minor league contract. He had a 67 WRC+. That is horrific for someone who's already a terrible defensive player. But he, in, in the past, has hit you know high 20s and home runs at least once. Um, so is that just like a standard yeah. buy low? for? That's kind of where I'm on it. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think there's much left in the tank there. Maybe he takes on the, the Lucas Duda role or if he's open to playing in the minor leagues. Um, you know, maybe he's Gwinnett fill, filler. And then if, if something, I mean, if something happens to Freddie Freeman, the Braves have bigger problems. Um, yes, they do. But yeah, it, it's also one of those things that if he's in camp for a week or two and it just isn't working out again, as you said, it's a minor league deal. That's one of those, you know, you shake hands, you, you pack your bags and you look elsewhere. Maybe he does serve as a, as a left-handed, uh, bench bed. I guess it's worth mentioning, um, Matt Joyce since the last podcast signed with the Marlins, which is a fairly big void because everybody knows how good Joyce was off the bench last year. Um, so maybe they're looking to, to see if Alonzo could serve as that left-handed bat. The issue of course, is that he's basically a first base only. And even then he's not a good defensive first baseman. Um, if they wanted to give Freddie a day off or something like that, but, um, yeah, it's, it's certainly worth mentioning and, and keeping an eye on him because he does have a little bit of pedigree, but I'm just not sure there's much there. Yeah, it was the only transaction that I saw anyway in the last three weeks, so I wanted to make sure we talked about it for yeah. a second. But um, yeah, I'm expecting very little, and if something happens, then maybe they, maybe they could fix him, but he's a little bit older than the guys that you normally would be trying to reclaim, so we'll see what happens there. 
The other thing was that Shane Green lost his arbitration battle against the Braves, so we now know what he's going to be making this year. This is not a huge impact on anything, but no. Shane Green will be earning $6.25 million this season. Congratulations Good to Shane. Good for Green. Shane. Sorry, Shane. Sorry uh, about the, what did he lose, 500K? Yeah, I think it was one of those like split in the middle kind of things. So yeah, I think it's 500K or so that he loses. Yeah. I don't have that in front of me, but. Pocket change, right? Unfortunate for yeah. Shane Green. Okay. Um, yeah, let's come back in a second. We have, let's, let's go to a break now. We'll have a clean break. We'll come right back. So stay tuned for a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder, wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. All right, Scott. Um, it's been a while, but this stuff still holds up in terms of uh, information that I thought was noteworthy. There was the uh, there was the old Chop Fest, which always produces some content. That, that was certainly while you were gone, so I can't imagine you were following this closely. No, I can't say I was. Uh, you were busy for doing <laughs> yeah. other things. Um, a couple of notes that I made, and pe- when we talked about it on TalkingChop.com, so people have probably heard this, but they don't have our takes on it. Um, first one was about Freddie Freeman. And Freddie, of course, got a lot of heat, and I think some of it justified w- w- with the way that he did not perform in the playoffs and the injury stuff at the end of the last season. Um, Freeman, of course, had the elbow uh, cleanup this offseason, and he said at ChopFest that it was the first time in nine years, that, that's a quote, first time in nine years they did not have elbow pain of some sort. The surgeon found, and I'm quoting now from the release, three fragments and two bone spurs in the elbow, including the fact that it was about to crack, apparently, and could have even created an even worse situation for Freddie um, with the elbow. So obviously, no surprise that he was hurt, but we kind of, I guess it was even worse than they thought. And Mark Bowman wrote shortly thereafter that Freeman, quote, likely would not have been able to play, end quote, if they made the NLCS. Now, that was a new one for me. I had not heard yeah, that one anywhere else. I'm not too sure about that. Me but. either, but it, he wrote it, and I trust Mark. Mark is the guy that we cite the most, and he's been around for a long time. I think he's has no reason yeah. to not tell the truth about that. So all there is to say, like, Freddie was hurt. We all knew that, but apparently it was worse than we thought. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it sounds bad, right? I mean, three fragments, two bone spurs in his elbow. Um you know, it's just bad timing for the Braves. It started to really flare up in, in September and then, of course, in the playoffs because I think most everyone is in consensus that if Freddie Freeman was Freddie Freeman for that week against the Cardinals, it's probably a different outcome in, in the series. So um, if it really is the first time in basically a decade that he doesn't have elbow pain, um, you know, that's good. I know players play through a lot of injuries that, you know, you and I and everybody else don't know about and they play through them and, and it's such a grind of 162 plus games. So 
Um, glad to hear he was able to get it cleaned up. Hopefully he has no limitations or restrictions and, um, and continues to be the guy who's been so good for the last, uh, however many years Freddie's been around now, eight or nine. Yeah. I mean, obviously again, it was no secret. He was hurt. I've long been on the corner that they, they'd let Freddie dictate too much when it comes to how much he plays and doesn't sit and all that stuff, but hopefully he's healthy now. And, you know, it's worth saying just again, Freddie's been incredible since 2013. Basically, he was already pretty good before that. But in the last seven seasons, here are Freddie Freeman's WRC plus numbers 150, 140, 132, 152, 150, 137, 138. Yeah. Uh, that's really good. Freddie Freeman has been at least a three and a half win player or so, and usually more like a four and a half or five win player for several yeah. seasons. Uh, he is a superstar, and that's not any breaking news. But I mean, I feel like we often do this we where we don't even talk about how good he is all the time. Yeah. So he's really Absolutely. good. Absolutely. Yeah. No, he is. He. He. I know. It's. It's you. I think watching players, especially in something like baseball, where you see them every single night at seven fifteen, I think well, you and can now you have Acuna too. Like yeah. Acuna's take, and I would say rightfully so. Ronnie has been has been the guy everyone's talked about the last year or so because he's sure. the new thing, and he's by the way is, is incredible too. But Freddie's just been really yeah. good, for a long all time. reliable. Yeah, I mean, he kind of has like a Tim Duncan quality to him, right? Like he he doesn't ever get in trouble. He's quiet quotes. He's not a you know he's 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 just kind of a good company man and goes out there and does his job and, and is really good at his job and then just comes back at the end of the day and, and goes home and does it again the next day. So, um, you know, who knows, maybe, as you said, I mean, it'd be hard for Freddie to get much better than he's been over the last seven or eight seasons, just with those numbers you listed off. But, um, hopefully it, it, it was able to clean up his elbow and, um, get him ready for 2020 because I think, you know, as we've talked about Ozuna having such big shoes to fill, even if they aren't necessarily his shoes with Donaldson leaving, um, you know, the Braves are going to need their top three. And maybe that's something we'll talk about a little later, but Whew. they absolutely have to have great, healthy seasons out of Acuna, um, Albies and Freeman. Um, you know, you want to talk about repeating for a third time in the division and making your run in the playoffs. Um, those three are going to have a huge burden on them, as will other guys on the team. But those three especially um, are really going to be counted on for big years. And, of course, last year they were all so good. Um, and hopefully they can do that again next year. Yeah, we spent a lot of time, I think appropriately, on this podcast last season talking about how much of the burden was carried by four guys. And this year it projects to be similar. Now, it doesn't have to be that way. You know, guy, There are guys in the, in the lineup that could make a step forward. But looking at the lineup now... There's still a very clear top three, I think, followed by a very clear number four in Ozuna, and then there is a drop um, in projection, I, I would say. So Freddie is, of course, in that top three tier, and I know how bad Freddie was in the playoffs. We talked about it ad nauseum for several podcasts in a row, so I'm not forgetting that before anybody says anything. We know how bad Freddie was in the playoffs. We know some of the comments that I didn't love that Freddie made, et cetera, et cetera, um, but he's still really good. So they, they need him to be good, and he'll be good, I think. Okay. Um... Next thing on the Chop Fest agenda, this is like a very, very brief one, but um, Anthopolis said that they identified Ozuna as a target before the, before the offseason even began, which I kind of believe, and because we, we did too, we talked about Ozuna multiple times, but it's also one of those things where like, I noted it in my head, because they don't have to say that, like they usually would say that probably, but it took, it took a long time for him to sign, so when I hear that a guy was on the list early on, and it takes him until January to sign, I'm always like, eh, maybe. 
Um, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things. I just, <laughs> I just it, it sort of makes like a, I don't know, a hiccup or something in my mind, like to say, they probably did think about him, but I, I'm very confident he was not the number one option. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I'm sure front offices target, what, a dozen? I mean, you and I talked about how if they don't, if Donaldson goes elsewhere, if, if it just didn't work out, you know, they were going to have to pivot in a hurry. Well, and they clearly um, did, and honestly, I mean, yeah. to the Donaldson point, they, they clearly were not going to sign Ozuna if they signed Donaldson. Like, sure, sure. So that that alone tells you that he was not their number one choice because right. Donaldson was <laughs> the guy they wanted until the end, you would assume. Yeah, I'm sure they had a list of a half dozen or so guys that if, hey, if J.D. goes elsewhere, we got to boogie and get yep. you know him or Castellanos or whoever it was. And again, I mean, as we said a little while ago, the one-year deal for me was, was the real – uh, hammer in the coffin to hey, let's get this done. I that mean, was I, the, I, that was the shock, honestly. I mean, I know yeah. you were in transit, but like Eric and I, I know my first reaction was he took a one year deal. Like, yeah. I couldn't believe that he took a one year deal above anything. Yeah, me too. And hey, I mean, somebody said if the Braves want to be the new like home for free agents to rebuild their value on one year deals, you know, have great years and then see what happens after that. I mean, I'm I am all for I'm all for that. Um, yeah, no, it was it was a real surprise, but um, again, I mean, Ozuna makes sense um, for all the reasons we outlined. He doesn't block any of the outfield uh, prospects, and and again, if if you know, it's in his best interest now to really have a good year. Um, and if the Braves wanted to target him because of his batted ball profile and all that, it, it makes sense. I'm sure many teams are interested in him because, as we've kind of outlined, whenever you look at his numbers, his batted ball numbers, he should have had better numbers than he did, um, and, and they're certainly hoping for that uh, next year. Yep, for sure. Um, okay, last thing that I wrote down to ask you or present about Chopfest was this uh, interesting quote from Anthopolis. Uh, during yeah. uh, during a Q&A with fans, Anthopolis, I'm going to read the whole thing because it's just interesting to me. Um, I'm quoting now. I can tell you, I was talking to Terry McGurk the other day, and obviously we've done a lot so far this winter, very supportive. He, t- he just told me the other day, look, I want, you, I want you to continue. If there's something else you think that is big, and impactful, I continue to drive us forward, put us over the top. I want you to go for it. I want you to try to do it. I'm like, wow, I can just keep going and going. He's like, yeah. So it was exciting to hear. And Thopos then said, "quote We're not done." End quote to the fans. But he did share. He, did, he but he did make sure to note in the reporting that I read that it that also included the, the in season aspect. Of course, this is a couple weeks ago, and now we're getting pretty late in the game to be making a big deal. Obviously. By the way, how about the uh, the sideshow of the Mookie Betts three team disaster trade uh, saga in the last? Yeah. Few um, but anyway, we're getting a little bit late in the game to make another splashy move before spring training, which I don't think is going to happen. But I thought it was something we should at least bat around to say that you know apparently Liberty's told Anthopolis that he can he can kind of mm. go in here, and you know as a vocal skeptic in the past of Liberty, they've spent more money now this year already than I expected them to spend. So shouts to them for spending this money. Um, but what do you make of these comments that they're apparently open to spending more if they need to? Um, I, you know, to your point, I will give the uh, billion dollar media company some credit for the, actually the spending. Right. Yes. After their reported revenues and all that. I mean, good job. Um, and it is, I mean, it's, it's appreciated for sure. Um, it's nice to have them, you know, up payroll to 150 million or whatever it is. You know, that quote, I didn't really know what to make of that quote. Um, you know, part of me, I guess the, the, uh, the skeptic in me says, well, you know what, it's his boss, right? Like it doesn't take much for an executive to talk up his boss in front of a bunch of media people and fans. Right. Um, maybe it is true. Maybe it's Anthopolis blowing smoke to kind of get some of the heat off of the front office. It seems like, 
you know, Anthopoulos is very good at what he does. And I want to make sure that's very clear with as far as handling the media. He's very smooth in his interviews. Um, it's it's nothing new for him to praise his superiors, which is what any smart <laughs> employee does, right? Um, so yeah, I saw people take that quote and went nuts, and everybody all of a sudden expected that to mean Arenado or Brian or or whatever it was going to be. Maybe that does happen. I'm not going to act like I'm sitting in the room when they're having their their conversations, their conference calls uh, with ownership. But um, I, I, me personally, from the little bits I saw, I thought that quote was taken out of hand or got out of hand a little too much. But uh, that was just me. I would agree. I, I think, you know, naturally people are going to assume that means that they're going to spend more money right that second. And that was, again, this is a couple weeks ago now when this quote actually happened. And, you know, I just never expect them to do anything else once they signed Ozuna before the season started, which is not a problem. I mean, they, they did what they needed to do, I think, to this point. We can we can and we will in the next month or so talk about projections in the division and all that stuff. I'm going to hold on and see how things look by the time spring training arrives in full. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think people took it a little bit too far. I do. I am encouraged that, you know, even in 2019, they went out and spent at the deadline. Now the payroll wasn't already as high as it is now. So I, you know, my antenna is up as to how much more they're going to be willing to spend, but if they're drawing and selling tickets and winning and, you know, this is it's sort of a, a team that makes a lot of sense to kind of go, Maybe not all in, but push a lot of your chips in the middle because of the way that the roster is set up. We talked about this, at, you know, ad nauseum as well, and we'll do it again later. But when when you're when two of your best players are making no money, um, and a lot of the other guys are making very little, like Mike Soroka is making no money still, um, it's easier to push. And I think they probably know that. I know Anthopoulos knows that. Like the, the window is open at the moment, um, particularly when like some. I mean, the Dodgers look absurd, but. You know the Astros don't look as scary all of a sudden after their offseason and things have, that have happened out in Houston, et cetera, et cetera. So the door the door could be open. The division looks winnable, and uh, if they want to push in in season, that's just fine. I mean, and I think yep. you know being realistic, something's going to go wrong. <laughs> I mean, most baseball teams something goes wrong at some point, and if you have sure. to go, if you have the flexibility to go out and fix that. That is a big deal. You know, last year we got upset, and I think rightfully so, because we all saw the bullpen issue coming early on, and that was what made me so frustrated because we all knew it was going to be a disaster before the season started. Now, this this time around, they don't have that disaster spot. They have some questionable spots, but this year it won't be so foreseeable. They've, they've sort of plugged the holes to enough of an extent where it's not going to be so frustrating, but something's going to happen. Someone's going to get hurt or, or not perform, et cetera. And being able to go spend to paper over that issue is a thing that matters. Yeah, no, absolutely. And as you said, it's, there's some credit to be due here for, for them spending as they have. Um, it's, it's nice to see from a fan and it's from somebody who, you know, writes about the team podcasts about the team. Um, and again, yeah, I hope, you know, that's one thing Anthopolis has done well. I think, make in-season adjustments, whether it's Keuchel or the bullpen or, or whoever it needs to be. Um, you know, as you said, something is going to go wrong. No team has a perfect situation over six plus months and somebody's going to get hurt. Someone's going to underperform, um, whatever it may be. Um, having that ability, you know, we always, we always kind of mock the flexibility word, but you know, teams do have to be flexible in seasons. And I think that's something Anthopolis has talked about in the past that, um, you know, sometimes he's pushed his budget right to the very limit in, 
January, February, March, and then the the middle of the year comes around and there's just not much to work with, um, having that ability to go out and spend if they need to, whether it be in May or June or right before the deadline in July, um, I, I think that's something that is important to teams and something I hope they continue to do. For sure. And uh, again, I'm, I'm thrilled that they spent some money. Um, it's it's cool to see, you know, they're not running the payroll the Dodgers are running or the Yankees are running, but they are spending money at a more appropriate level um, to match revenue and all that stuff. So at a certain point, you know, they're always going to draw a line, I think, because as we joked about earlier, they are corporate overlords. They're not, this is not a person that owns the team like it was with Ted Turner. But uh, the fact that Anthopolis has coaxed them to spend some more money is cool. Um, we should be positive about that, and I am being positive about that. Okay, uh, last couple things here, Scott. I don't, we don't have that much more to cover, but um, the non-roster invitees came out, and rather than you know talk about all of them because it doesn't really matter, um, is there anybody that you're excited about that was a non-40-man inclusion? That that includes mm-hmm. Felix Hernandez, that, had, that of course includes Drew Waters, who is probably the biggest name, Ian Anderson, Kyle Mueller, Shailen Lears, Braden Shoemake, Bryce Ball has been a very popular guy, and Trey Harris. Uh, by the way, people were panicked to not see Christian Pache on the non-roster MIT list. Like the mentions of Braves of the Braves official account were hilarious when they tweeted out the list. Uh, it's yeah. like, guys, Pache's on the, already on the forty man. Don't don't panic. He's going to be there. They're not just leaving Pache off. I promise you. Yeah. But uh, all those names. Anybody excite you for the next couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, from afar, I've always been, as I think most baseball fans are, they're big fans of of King Felix. And I think it would be so cool if he were to have kind of an Anibal Sanchez resurgence. I'm not sure how much gas is left in the tank at this point. It's really been years since he's been good. It's not like he was even unlucky or anything like that the last few seasons. He had a pretty good environment around him uh, in Seattle as far as a pitching perspective, and, and the numbers haven't been good. Um, with that said, I think everybody will be rooting for him. It would be really awesome, even if he's only good. You know, People remember Ben Sheets about a decade ago. Even if he could give him a month or two of, of good starts, um, it'd be a big boost. Um, yeah, I mean, it's always fun to see the kids play. I, I hope they keep Waters. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, I think most with Drew Waters, he's somebody who has grown this offseason, both especially physically. There were some videos of him uh, surfacing, I think a week ago of him working out and it looks like he's put on some, some of that grown man strength. Um, if memory serves, um, he was somebody who, whose parents are both good athletes. So there was some hope that he was going to grow a little bit more, even now that he's 21. And that seems to be the case. Um, you know, he's, he's an intriguing prospect because you look at his numbers in the minors and obviously, um, they're very good. There's also some questions about his strikeouts and his ability to, uh, you know, what's it going to be like once his, his batted ball profiles normalize in the majors. Uh, and then Chipper Jones was talking about too. And Chipper is somebody who historically has not just been, you know, he does, he doesn't throw out compliments lightly. He doesn't just talk up every single player. Um, he, he went out of his way to talk up Drew Waters uh, and even c- kind of compared himself to uh, to Waters just with his attitude and demeanor and swagger on the field. So I think of all those uh, of all those names you listed, I'd probably go with Felix and and just to see if there's anything left there. Um, and then Drew Waters. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Felix, there's been a lot of talk, and we're going to save our full fledged starting pitcher preview for later on in February into March. But um, there was a couple of you know I thought pretty noteworthy framings of the battle for the number five starter spot from beat writers, including Bowman, um, about how it's almost, it feels like, at least from the people that are reporting closely on this, that it could be Felix versus Sean Newcomb. 
I don't love that that is actually what's going to happen, potentially. Um, you referenced Felix. It'd be awesome if he did find it. I am skeptical. I will not close the door on it, but he's been bad for a little while now. So my guard is up there. And then Newcomb, I, I've long thought, is better as a reliever. So if those are the two best options, that's not going to be ideal. Yeah. There are there are other options available. Kyle Wright, for instance, is one of those guys. Bryce Wilson is around. Mm-hmm. Um Etc. We'll save that for later, but I thought that was noteworthy that people are starting to frame it as if it really might be a yep. two-man race. Um, I don't love that. No, it's funny. <laughs> I forget who who said it this past week, but somebody was like, "The year is now 2038, and Braves fans are still waiting for Sean Newcomb to stop walking people." Like, <laughs> I don't want to say it's not impossible, um, but he's basically been the exact same guy for seven years now, dating back to his time, you know, from when he was drafted with the angels. Um, he had really, I was surprised. It's something I I'm hoping to write about here soon. I think if you would ask just general fan question of how good was Newcomb last year, I think people would say he was, he was a revelation in the bullpen. And while he was certainly better, um, you know, he was good at the beginning um, and then kind of found it at the end, but there were some rough stretches. He was still walking too many people. I know that he had a couple of, of bad weeks that really kind of spiked the numbers, but I mean, you could say that for any player, right? If you take away a player's good, they're going to look less good. If you take away a player's bad, they're going to look better. Um, he, he was still walking. I want to say the number was about four and a half or five batters per nine innings. Um, after his first month or so in the bullpen, that's the same old Sean Newcomb. So I'm not saying that he can't figure it out and he's in his mid-20s now, so it's not like he's you know, on the wrong side of 30. Um, but at some point, I think we have to maybe accept the fact that he is who he is based on the six or seven years of data and experience that we've seen from him. Yeah, I mean, the numbers are notably better out of the bullpen. That matters to me. I mean, I know... <laughs> People have started to point a little bit to Newcomb's success as a starter at times, and I'm not going to disagree with that. But if you look a little bit more at the underlying stuff, it's mostly been the same. He's just kind of had these hot and cold stretches as a starter. Um, I, It's not that Newcomb can't be a starter. I just think that we we don't know, but I'm leaning towards him being better as a reliever. It's just one of those yeah, things. Yeah, me too. Um, and and honestly, nothing he could do in spring would change that for me. Maybe the Braves would see something with him, like overall offering wise. And I'm not a pitching expert; I'm, they obviously know more than I do. Um, I don't know. I think it's not great if the options are Felix and Newcomb, um, but we'll see. I would leave the door open for a young guy and lean to the young guys. If they can impress you, then they can impress you. And you know, honestly, right now in the bullpen, the Hawks, the Hawks, the Braves only have one lefty, really. Um, so if you yeah. add Newcomb to the mix, that really helps you to sort of balance that out. And we've seen Newcomb be awesome in the bullpen. Like I, I think I have very little doubt that he'll be a good reliever if he's there. That that also helps to think about the calculus because you know him being a league average starter would be a nice thing. I don't know if he can be that, and I'm quite confident that he's going to be a good reliever if he's there. So that you know. Yeah. Before, All right. So let me ask you this, and I didn't prep you for this, but over under over under on. Um, Five and a half starts for Sean Newcomb in 2020. What I would do or what they will do? Uh, what you think. What I think will happen? Um, yes. I will, say, Five and a half. I will say over. I think okay. I think at this particular moment, I would, I am. Because that's like a month's worth of if starts. If you ask me. You yeah, hit you, six starts. If you yeah. ask me, I, I think if I had to bet my own money on what will happen and who will open the season as the fifth starter, I would bet on Newcomb. Only because if if the beat writers who know more than we do 
are framing this as a two-man race between Felix and Newcomb right now. With some up, obviously some other contenders, but those two those two guys being leading candidates. Yeah. I am of the mind that Felix is not going to be very good. And yeah, I, I, I'm the same. So if if I if we assume it's a lot to assume, there's a lot of assumptions to make. But if we assume it's a two man race or something like that, and I I think Felix is done. Um, I hope I hope to be wrong on that, but I think he's probably done. Then that means you go to Newcomb. Um, I, I was thinking slash hoping throughout the process. I even tweeted about this a little bit the other day with Joe Joe Lucia, who's a good friend of the, pro, of the program. Um, I was hoping when they when they started floating the Newcomb starting thing as an option, even back in like November that it was almost like a, okay, Sean, we'll give you one more chance to start kind of thing. Because like, yeah. sort of, sort of like an olive branch to say, listen, we've, you've always been a starter and you've never been so, so bad that we can't take you out of that role. So like, all right, here's one more chance to do it. But I think now he might actually be the best option. So it's one of those things where I don't, I don't love that at all. I think Newcomb is better as a, as a reliever, but if, if you look at the roster, if they don't believe that Wright or Anderson or, you know, Wilson or somebody like that is ready to go. Yeah. If you ask me right now, who's better between Newcomb and Felix, I'm going to take Newcomb for sure. Yeah, me too. But I think, I guess what I was getting at with this is, and, me, and you probably talked me into it a little bit, but, um, know. you know, with Newcomb, I kind of got the sense at the end of the year last year that he, he was, I don't want to say make a fuss, but I mean, clearly he wants to start. He wants to start. I mean, most, yeah. most pitchers want to start. So you almost get the sense of the Braves saying, look, we'll give you the spring. And as long as you're not terrible or walking every other hitter, which is certainly possible, but you know, we'll give you the chance. And it's not like they, if, if memory serves, I don't have this in front of me, but I do think Newcomb was able to start a game or two once they moved into the bullpen. Am I wrong on that? Do you remember? Ooh, I need to look. Uh, yeah, man, I don't it's not remember either. Material. No, but it's I not. I guess my general point is, is if they let Newcomb, and if he was kind of making a stink, which is what Bowman and D.O.B. made it sound like, or at least he made it clearly known that he wants to start, you know, if you give him the spring, and as long as he's not terrible, and if you give him a couple of starts, which would presumably be against a, you know, okay but not great Padres lineup. And then if you keep him in that fifth spot, I believe then he would line up to see the, the Marlins. Um, you know, the schedule is not very difficult early on. It's not like you're throwing him against the the Dodgers and the and the Cubs in the first two starts. You know, if, if he's good, then great. I mean, obviously, Newcomb being good next year helps the Braves. And if he stinks or he's the same old Newcomb, then you can kind of come back and say, look, we've given you years to get this figured out. We gave you the spring. We gave you however many starts this just isn't working for us. And then you move him back to the bullpen and, and kind of, um, you know, you, you do your best to accommodate him, but at some point you have to make the executive decision if it's not working of, Hey, you know, we, we can't do this. We got to move you back. Yeah. I mean, we, we're going to need some more info, which is why it's too early for some of this stuff. But you know, if it is, again, this is a big if, if it is as easy as a two minute race between Felix and Newcomb, I would lean to Newcomb for safety reasons and Newcomb's not safe, but it's like, he's probably safer than Felix. As funny as that is. Cause Felix has just been so bad for a while now. I don't know, man. I would be, if you're a Braves fan, I think you are hoping beyond hope that one of the, that one or two of the young guys pop. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Kyle Wright is a lot more exciting than either of either of Newcomb mm-hmm. or Felix and the number five spot. So we'll see. Um, and again, we'll spend a lot more time on starting pitching later on. We, the good thing is we know, we know what four spots look like unless something crazy happens. Um, and the fifth one is up for grabs. But at least there's depth there. The, the Braves do have a bunch of guys who 
conceivably could be around. It's the yeah. it's those two more veterany guys, and then you have all the young guys too. So we'll come back to that at a later time in spring training. Okay, last thing before we get out of here. Um, I don't know, man. How do you feel about this team right now? Sort of broadly. I didn't prep for you for this either, but let's just get out of here on this. Um, I, I'm not asking you to do predictions because it's way too early for that, and I, I kind of don't yeah. want you to. But are you feeling optimistic? I mean, we, yeah. the last time that I seriously, you know, that we did like in-season discussions was at the end of the playoffs. And it was kind of a dire feeling at that moment because it, it just hadn't gone well. Um, we, we were doing those, <clears throat> those recap podcasts and it was kind of excruciating the way that it all ended. And now, you know, candidly for me, I'm looking ahead and, you know, you look at the landscape and this this is going to be a probably a pretty good Braves team. So it's... You know, hope springs eternal, as they say. But without getting too deep into like the weeds on this prediction stuff, are you are you feeling pretty good? Um, if, if the season was tomorrow, I would pick them to win the East. I think this is. I, I think the Nationals are going to have a very real hangover. Um, I, I think they. I think losing Rendon is going to do more. Uh, maybe this isn't. Uh, I think it's really going to hurt them more than people expect. Um, you know, the Mets have a, a good roster on paper, but the Mets have also had a pretty good roster on paper for the last five years and haven't really had done anything since their uh, since their World Series run. Um, you know, and the Phillies, I think, are a good roster, though. All they've really done is is add Zach Wheeler, and I'm not sure that's enough to put them over the hurdle. Uh, maybe they are more of the team that people thought they were going to be last year and take a step forward. But even then, I, I think I would take the Braves – to win the division, I think there's. Um, I, I think the lineup might not be quite as good, but I think the rotation has the potential to be significantly better than last year. And then, and the bullpen, of course, it won't take a lot to be better than last year. And I think there's a chance for this to be a really good bullpen. Um, so yeah, I think I, I will say though that my my reservations about this being a team that's built to win in October are still there. They didn't go out and get a frontline starter. And that's not to say they couldn't get one over the next six months or I guess the next five months before the trade deadline. Um, but my reservations are still there about, is there enough to, you know, we talked about the Dodgers and, and I think the Dodgers are in a different atmosphere right now, but um, you know, I think this is probably the second best team in the national league on paper as things stand today. But there's still such a gigantic gap from, from, the Dodgers and they weren't going to catch the Dodgers nor should anyone expect them to. But I also have questions about in a, in a short playoff series, you know, do they have the dominant reliable pitching that a team like the nationals who we saw last year, who didn't have a great bullpen or didn't have a great lineup. But when you have three horses, three frontline guys who can go out there and win you a series by themselves, I'm just not sure the Braves are there yet. So um, that is my long-winded way of saying I feel pretty good about the team, but there are still some concerns that might come back to hurt them down the road. Yeah, I think I agree with almost all of that. It's you know, the people got mad. I don't know. It's people got mad at some of the uh, seventy-five guys for just saying the truth that the Dodgers are a lot better than the Braves are. Like this is not like. I think people, anytime you say a team is better than the Braves in the National League, it's like the end of the world. It happened last year when, when I, I'm not even sure who, I'm, it might have just been the Dodgers. But like, guys, let's, let's just be honest with each other and look at their Dodgers roster with Mookie Betts in the middle of it and say that they're better than the Braves. It doesn't mean that the Braves can't win. It doesn't mean that the Braves couldn't beat them in a series. 
But if you look at the just the just to be honest with everyone involved, the Braves are not the favorite to win the National League right now. You can say they're the favorite to win the National League East, and I think if you saw betting lines that are coming starting to come out there, that would probably be the the picture that you are painted. And I, you know, famously have not picked the Braves to win the last couple of years, um, at least not outright. Last year we kind of put them in the mix for it. The year before that, definitely not. But you know, if I think. It's totally fine to project the Braves to win the, to win the National League East right now, and I think I probably will. You know, we'll see how things go in the next month. But the Dodgers, there's no there's no world in, in which you can project the Braves to be better than the Dodgers. Yeah, can they and, be better than the Dodgers? Yes, they can. Yeah, but of course. Project, projection does not mean what will happen. It means what you could reasonably look at the two rosters and think right now. Right. It's fine. I mean, and by the way, they might they might win 110 games. Like the Dodgers are going to be incredible. So it's not like. The Braves could win, the Braves could honestly win a hundred games and not yeah. be better than the Dodgers. It's okay. Yeah, I mean they, they would have done it last year in, in an equally good division that had the World Series. I mean, you know, they won ninety seven last year with you know as you just said a, a rotation and bullpen that are probably worse at least on paper than what they have right now. Lineup might oh, be a little the, better. Bull, the bullpen for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and they won ninety seven, and honestly, they were going to win a hundred games before. Freddie got hurt, and they kind of played Acuna slowly that last week because the yeah, groin. They, they were they were not pressing at the end of the season. Yeah, and when you have that big of a division lead, there's no need to, right? Like nope. you and I and everybody were shouting, "Don't play these guys for nine full innings every night, especially once they clinched." Um, so yeah, they're absolutely they could win 100 games. And look, I you know I, I tweeted something similar earlier this week about I think they're the second best team on paper, and, and I did get a little bit of this stuff about the Dodgers and. And that's fine. And nobody's arguing that any team can beat anybody, right? It's like the baseball. Marlins, the Marlins win. could win two out of three against the Dodgers. No problem, right? Yes. Like that that crap happens all the time. Um, old Hamelli, you just want to get to the dance in October and see what happens. Um, I would the uh, the optimist in me says the Braves are due finally for some good fortune in the playoffs. Uh, maybe it's all going to come next year and they the, make a the run. The optimist in um, you, Scott. Yeah, Coleman. I know. There we go. Everyone, everyone thinks that we're not allowed to be optimistic because that, that's the role that we fill, Scott. Yeah. Um, not yeah. I think I'm more <laughs> pessimistic than you are. Yeah. But no, it's I, – I agree. It's not – no one is saying that the Braves can't win the World Series. I, th- I think they can. I mean, I think, we, th- I think sure. we thought they could last year. I mean, not that we were – we didn't pick them to win the World Series, and they, they obviously didn't. But right now, you know, February whatever it is, February 10th on the East Coast and February 9th where you are as we're talking right now – can the Braves win the World Series in 2020? Of course they can. Sure. Yes. I think they have the fourth or fifth best odds in Vegas. So, yes, it is very possible. Yeah. I mean, that's usually like my corner is to talk about like betting odds on, on our site. And I haven't done a whole lot of that just yet because I think it's still pretty early. But, you know, in, in our final piece of podcast content today, I am going to pull up the futures right now. Yeah. Bet online which is the, I would say, the leading offshore place in America, has the Braves at number four, the fourth most likely team to win behind, the World Series, uh, behind the, me, the Yankees, the Dodgers, yep. and the Astros. Oh, interesting. I was wondering where Houston was going to be on that just because of the uh, yeah, trash. Yeah, they're trash still game. loaded, though. I mean, if you look at just the oh, roster, sure. they're still pretty loaded. But And you know, without getting too deep into all this stuff, the Yankees – have what they think is the clearest path and they're obviously loaded too. And then the Dodgers, but the Braves are number two in the national league odds. They're number four in world series odds. And if you're number four in world series odds, I don't care what season it is. You are projected to be a good baseball team. 
Yeah. And so, this is, I mean, this is on paper and we, you know, we always, always on paper, but on paper, this is a very, it's a good roster. It's a deep roster. They have some depth. Yep. Um, as we said, there's some, some things that have to happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a good team. Let's, let's be you know clear about that. Are there some questions? Are there some holes? Sure. But just about every team, unless you're the, uh, $225 million payroll Dodgers or Yankees, you're going to have some kind of question. The Dodgers no traded for Mookie Betts. That really happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, that's, and that's David Price, who still has a little bit in the tank. Yeah, D- David Price is like the toss-in, and he's like, I've, you know, he's not what he used to be, but David Price would help the Braves a lot right now, for instance. Um, yeah. He's a lot yeah. better than Sean Newcomb. Just yeah, I mean, truly, yeah, no, Dodgers are, are going to be a problem. I mean, they've, they've been a problem for a long time, and um, you know, I, not to turn this into a Dodgers podcast, but you know, they, they got their front office got some flack for basically doing nothing this winter. Um, and then of course they landed far and away <laughs> the best player available so, right, and, and gave up more or less nothing to get him, which is, which is just fantastic. So uh, baseball. there we go. Maybe, maybe the baseball gods will throw the Braves a bone and they won't have to face them in the playoffs or whatever it is, or, or who knows? We're, we're certainly down the road here, but yeah, uh, full, full circle. Yeah. You know. The Braves are going to be good this year. We're we're pretty confident about that. How how good is something we'll talk about in the next four or five six weeks before the season begins? We will have plenty of preview content. We will of course do our customary like rotation preview, bullpen preview, lineup preview. Uh, Eric and the guys will have tons of stuff on Road to Atlanta about prospects. And I, I had on our list as an emergency topic. Um, some prospect lists. I usually like to leave that stuff to Eric and the guys at Road to Atlanta now because those guys just know it a lot better than we do. But um, there you go on that. We'll have plenty of coverage. Please subscribe to the podcast, by the way. That's the best possible way to follow this podcast mini network between this show and Road to Atlanta. We're all on the same feed. And uh, if you have a Braves fan or two or three in your life that do not listen to this podcast yet, tell them about it. If they hate it, that's fine. But have them, have, have them, have them try it and download it and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Okay, uh, well, Scott, any any parting thoughts here on you know mid February as we get into things? Because uh, we'll be talking more as we get back yeah. to the things now. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you know, we as you said, we've kind of covered as much as you can realistically cover when Yonder Alonso was the biggest thing that's happened in the last. Shouts to Yonder Alonso. Yeah, shout out. There you go. Maybe uh, somebody joked he's Manny Machado's brother-in-law, and of course the White Sox got Alonso last year to lure Machado to Chicago. So who knows? That worked out uh, well. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, it'll be. It's good to have, as, as we talked about, uh, as we come up on an hour now. Um, you know, it's good to have baseball back, pitchers and catchers this week, and less than two weeks away from the first. Uh, I don't even know if you call them a game, more like scrimmages for the first week or two, because the pitchers throw fifteen pitches and then come out of the game. But um, good to have baseball back, and um, a lot of good contact coming up. Yep, buckle up, folks. We have. By the way, the site has been running the entire way, and. Shouts to Chris Willis and everybody else that writes for the site a lot more than I do. Um, but the, the fact that we've had new content every single day of the offseason in baseball is relatively impressive, I will say. So follow uh, TalkingChop.com as well in, 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 in written form and uh, follow Scott at, at ScottColon55. Follow me at BT Roland and uh, baseball season, it's here. We'll be back again next week ish i am traveling next weekend as i'm I'm hopefully going to stop traveling as much as we get closer here but it's nba all-star weekend so i'm on the move and uh, i'm not sure when the next podcast will be but have no fear this the normal sunday sunday evening time slot will be uh 
rejoining that slot very soon. I'm not sure when it'll be, but right now it's Sunday night, so we're back on track, I guess, for one week. <laughs> there we go. Six, six plus months of podcast every Sunday night coming right up. It's on the way. All right, Scott, thank you so much for uh, joining me, as always, on the podcast. As for everybody else, one more time, please subscribe to the show. We'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero-setup, developer-first environment, combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features. 